welcome to a show where you will hear about how our liberty is being eroded by the very people that swear an oath to protect it. Today, the president signed a big new anti-terrorism bill that would expand the government's ability to track down terrorists, but at some cost. On this show, we will discuss many of the lies that the government, the government that hates us, by the way, we will discuss the lies that the people in positions of power and influence spread every day. And what is the best way to confuse children? Confuse them about their sexuality, confuse them about their gender, expose them to things that their little brains are not ready for yet. That is how they are confusing children. It is leading to chaos. And Big Daddy government, of course, can be there to pick, up, pick us all up and take care of us at the end of it. We will also talk about how current elected leadership at all levels of government has been corrupted by power and control, as well as discuss the types of leadership needed to correct our republic's course. We the people. It was time to remember that we the people are the government. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now. I am your host, Larry Linton, retired U.S. Navy Command Master Chief and prior Tennessee House of Representatives District 12 candidate, and welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I'm still down in Oklahoma and Texas doing my consulting thing. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Angela over the past two weeks. What a phenomenal servant leader she is. We need many more like her. People who are willing to confront government and force it to conform to the people's wishes. I'm wrapping things up on this latest coaching engagement and heading home here real soon. And let me tell you, I am really looking forward to some downtime with my bride. The topic in the rotation this week is liberty. And no matter how you look at it, the system that was put into place to secure the people's liberty, which is the government that now hates us, it sure seems to be working hard to do the opposite. Sure, there will be some little legislative victories here and there, but that is only done to accomplish two things. I briefly touched on this in my monthly newsletter. In the newsletter, I informed the subscribers that I will be breaking down what two things these small legislative victories accomplish. Speaking of the newsletter, if you would like to subscribe, just send an email to larry-4-tn12 at protonmail.com. Again, that is larry-4, that is F-O-R-4, larry-4-tn12 at protonmail.com. Or you can contact the show directly by sending an email to larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Again, that is Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. That's all one word, no spacing. But back to the two things these small legislative victories are accomplishing. First, they serve to placate the electorate when we seem to be really agitated about something, which we'll discuss. But second, these small wins in Congress and the individual state legislatures primarily are done in order just to maintain a facade of liberty, a facade of control by the true sovereigns in our constitutional republic and in our individual states. These little so-called victories need to happen because they only serve to keep the usurpers in power. 
Sort of like one step forward, two steps back. That is by design, too, ladies and gentlemen. Because, as I have mentioned before on this program many times, I believe our republic is in retrograde. The federal government of the United States of America no longer advances the cause of liberty here at home. Just look at the government actions in this decade alone, and that has proven time and again. We also cannot dismiss the showcase of advancing it overseas. That is really just smoke and mirrors. Ukraine is the biggest and most blatant example of that here lately. The billions of taxpayer dollars sent to support that corrupt government in a war they invited upon themselves, with help from the Biden administration, as well as the Clinton and Obama administrations, by the way, that should be an obvious dog and pony show for the average American. I say should be, but if it is obvious... It is ignored because of the majority of people just want to be left alone by the government. But here we sit, sending tens of billions of dollars that comes from our sweat equity to defend the borders of a foreign nation when the federal government refuses to protect our own border. Politicians and celebrities putting the Ukraine flag on their social media bios and then decrying anybody that doesn't do the same as a Putin supporter. Let's get one thing clear. By no means do I support Vladimir Putin and his rogue regime. I also don't support ours, the United States' involvement in a conflict in Eastern Europe that was brought about by the three corrupt governments involved. Yes, three. Zelensky and his money laundering machine called the government of Ukraine. Putin and his apparently toothless bear oligarchy called the Russian Federation, and more importantly, Biden and the Criminal Congress of the United States of America, which is made up of members of both political parties that benefit from money laundering that takes place over there. All of them that use Ukraine as their personal piggy bank to wash clean the billions of dollars in foreign aid we have provided them since they willingly gave up their means of self-defense under the Clinton administration. You should all recognize a theme or a pattern there. Do a little bit of trend analysis. When Clinton was president, Ukraine gave up its defensive weapons and partially aligns itself with the U.S., thumbing their nose purposely at Russia to get concessions from them and us. Then when Obama was president, Russia invades and takes control over Crimea after the administration was instrumental in staging a coup in Ukraine. And now, with Biden as president, a never-ending proxy war in Ukraine that drains the U.S. Treasury and the tax dollars of our sweat equity. Oh, don't forget Zelensky's latest threat to have our sons and daughters shedding their blood in Europe, protecting his crime syndicate. His exact words were this, quote, The U.S. is never going to give up on the NATO member states. If it happens so that Ukraine, due to various opinions and weakening, depleting of assistance loses, Russia is going to enter Baltic states, NATO member states, and then the U.S. will have to send their sons and daughters exactly the same way as we are sending their sons and daughters to war. And they will have to fight because it's NATO that we're talking about. And they will be dying, God forbid, because it's a horrible thing. I wish peace and Ukrainian support to the United States, unquote. 
Of course, the cult of left-wing media rushed to his defense, but people could see the threat there. I hope you can. Go ahead and rewind this show a few seconds and listen to his words again. He is saying if we fail to support Ukraine and Russia wins, that will result in Russia attacking a NATO country. Really? Does any sane person truly believe, especially given how much Ukraine has bloodied up Russia in the year of this conflict, that Russia would go after a NATO country? Putin is almost certifiably insane by staying the course in this conflict with the losses and damages imposed by Ukraine on the mighty Russian bear over the past 13 months. But going after a NATO country after fighting to a stalemate in Ukraine would be him signing his own death warrant in Russia. The oligarchs there only keep him in power because he makes them money. Taking on NATO would be a lose-lose scenario. Not only for him personally, but for the entire world. But now there might be an out for him in this situation. And that would be for a NATO country, such as the United States of America, to cross a line that cannot be uncrossed in this conflict. Russia will then gain the moral ground in that situation and rightly lay claim to a position of self-defense against aggression or an act of war by a NATO country. We are dangerously close to doing that here with a senile old dodger in charge. This Nord Stream pipeline sabotage that has been laid at the feet of this administration is such an act if it is proven to be true. Mark my words, if this conflict escalates outside of Ukraine and Russia, it will be because Biden and his handlers mismanaged, either by accident or on purpose, our level of involvement. If you don't think that's possible, just look back to this administration's botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. If you don't think our nation's leadership is capable of such a misstep, you are sadly mistaken. Which brings to mind an incredibly sad and true meme I saw the other day. It goes something like this. It only took four U.S. presidents, more than 2,000 American service members' lives, trillions of dollars in taxpayer money, Billions of dollars of military equipment for the United States of America to replace the Taliban with the Taliban in Afghanistan. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this administration is entirely capable of screwing up a military operation that can result in tragic consequences for our nation. Here at home, well, we all know the story about how the current federal administration is screwing up and not following their constitutionally required duty of protecting this nation. If you have any shred of critical thinking ability, you know that what is happening along our nation's southern border is nothing short of an invasion. Sure, there has been some saber-rattling from the states to pick up the slack the feds have dropped in securing our border, but do you see any action coming from the words of those governors? Let me read to you from Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution. Quote, The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence, unquote. Well, the first thing to notice in that quote is this, guarantee a Republican form of government, not a democracy form of government, but a Republican form. 
Again, here we sit 234 years after the Constitution was ratified, and our country is constantly being referred to as a democracy, not a republic. Why do you think that is, ladies and gentlemen? Well, when you have a system of government that operates from a position that a simple majority rules, the rights, the liberty, of the individual are not taken into consideration. Plus, there's this alignment of the types of government with our current political party names. Democracy, Democrats. Mob, rules. Republic, Republican. Individual liberty, individual rights are protected. The nomenclature has become somewhat moot, though, because the Democrats, really, I mean the communists, and most of the members of the Republican Party are together now as members of the Uniparty. And now, moving back to an earlier portion of the Constitution, we have this from Article 1, Section 10. Quote, No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in times of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. Unquote. So, before we even get to the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution, that wonderful document which the states wrote and which created the federal government it reserves to each state the right to protect against foreign invasion, regardless of the federal government's protestations. And the Constitution also reserved to the states the right to engage in war to protect themselves should the federal government's response be delayed. It's all right there, in plain language. Without any amendment to the Constitution since its ratification that has changed those two parts of the Constitution, or even modify the language. The states themselves should be acting to protect their citizens from the invasion that is occurring along our southern border because of the federal government's delay. And the politicians leading those states have fundraised the heck out of their saber-rattling. The same as the members of the U.S. Congress. Yet do we see any action? Ever since the Amnesty Act was passed in 1986, Illegal immigration has continued to be a plague on our republic. So much so, there were nearly 3 million illegal border crossings into our country in 2022 alone. Keep in mind, that number only represents fiscal year 2022. The 2.7 million border crossers during that year broke the previous record of 1.72 million. Which, and this is no coincidence, that record was set in fiscal year 2021. Just what political party has held the House, the Senate, and the White House for those two fiscal years? Of course, we all know the answer to that. Do not for one minute think that the federal government is at all interested in protecting, securing the liberty of the citizens of this republic. The federal government is enabling an invasion along our southern border for the sole purpose of keeping the uniparty at the controls of government, which in turn controls access to the sweat equity of every citizen in our republic. As you can see through that inaction alone, both the state and the federal government are no longer in their primary business of securing the people's liberty. It's almost as if they really don't want the people to have liberty. 
Before we get more into this week's topic, let's pause for a word from the show's sponsor, Anchor.fm. And we're back. And we're talking about how our government, the state and federal level, they both are no longer about the business of securing the people's liberty. Sure, we've seen some legislative victories here recently, but remember, these small victories are only given to accomplish two things. One is to placate the electorate from time to time, and I'll mention a recent bill passed in the U.S. House of Representatives, and another here in Tennessee's General Assembly that demonstrates this. And two, these small wins only maintain a facade of liberty. Let's talk about that recently passed bill in the U.S. House of Representatives. On Wednesday of last week, the House passed a piece of legislation they titled the RAIN Act, that is R-E-I-N, the Reduce Exacerbated Inflation Negatively Impacting the Nation Act. It is a proposed law that would require the Office of Management and Budget and the Council of Economic Advisors to provide an inflation estimate for each executive order that is projected to cause an annual budgetary effect of at least $1 billion. Funny how the Congress now assigns a dollar value of $1 billion to this, billion with a capital B. Why? Because they are drunk on the money the taxpayers provide to the government in the form of income taxes. They are not concerned with executive orders that negatively affect the annual budget of, uh, let's say, $900 million. That is just pocket change to them now because they are so used to spending, actually wasting, our tax dollars, our sweat equity, and they do it willy-nilly. Anyway, quoting from a news article about the bill, the estimate would be required to determine whether the executive order will have no significant impact on inflation, a quantifiable inflationary impact on the consumer price index, or a significant impact on inflation that can't be quantified at the time of the estimate. The RAIN Act wouldn't apply to executive orders that either provide emergency assistance or relief at the request of any state or local government or an official of the government, or are necessary for national security or the ratification or implementation of international treaty obligations. Those are a couple of nice carve-outs, don't you think? All a president has to do to get around that law, if it ever passes, which we'll talk about in a minute, is to put something in the executive order about a disaster or national security. Keep in mind, this is a predominantly GOP pass bill. I'm actually surprised about 20 communists signed on to it as well, but they probably know what I'm about to share with you. This is members of the GOP passing legislation to placate the electorate. And why do I say that? Well, it's because they know it has a 0% chance of becoming law. Even if it were to survive and pass in the U.S. Senate intact, the bill would then end up on the dementia-riddled ice cream connoisseur's desk. Do you think his handlers will let him sign that into law? Just why would they willingly accept any limitations on their power? They won't. This legislation is pure posturing by members of the new aristocracy to placate the masses because we, as a nation, are finally starting to get upset by the runaway spending at the federal level. So something must be done. 
and we get a worthless piece of legislation passed that will never become law so they can all campaign on the fact that they at least tried, right? Expect more of this from the House of Representatives over the course of the next two years. Placating legislation, bread and circuses. Here in Tennessee, we've even had some small legislative victories. Placating us Tennesseans and trying to maintain the facade of liberty. I provided an update on the pro-abortion crowd's pieces of legislation at the end of last week's interview with Angela. But of course, there is more that our General Assembly is working at to either erode our liberty or to secure for the elite their elected positions in power. But we're going to talk about securing for the elite their elected positions in government first. Here in Tennessee, our primary elections are called open primaries. Here's a bit of background. A closed primary is a type of primary election in which a voter must affiliate formally with a political party in advance of the election date in order to participate in that party's primary. Other primary election types include open primaries, in which a voter either does not have to formally affiliate with a political party in order to vote in its primary, or can declare his or her affiliation with a party at the polls on the day of the primary. That is what we have here in Tennessee. There's hybrid primaries in which previously unaffiliated voters may participate in the partisan primary of their choice. And then there's top two primaries in which all candidates are listed on the same primary ballot and the top two vote-getters, regardless of their partisan affiliations, advanced to the general election. In 13 states, at least one political party conducts closed primaries for congressional and state-level offices. In 11 of those, all political parties conduct closed primaries. As I said, here in Tennessee, we have open primaries. The problem with open primaries is that you get a lot of crossover voting. Being the Democrats, I mean communists, they will vote in Republican Party primaries to ensure the weaker of the candidates running wins the party's nomination to run in the general election. It is a common problem in those states that have open primaries. It has played a part in several primaries here in Tennessee. So much so that a freshman representative, Brian Ritchie, who represents District 20 over in Maryville, met him. He's a great guy. He introduced legislation that would close Tennessee primary elections. Legislation, by the way, that is vastly supported by conservatives here in Tennessee. During a poll conducted by the Tennessee Conservative in June of last year, the data shows that nearly 97% of the respondents were primary voters here in Tennessee also, nearly 98 of the respondents answered no to the question if Democrats should be allowed to vote in Republican primaries. As I said, strong support for closing the primary elections here in Tennessee. Also, more than 97% of the respondents answered yes when asked the question if they feel the governor, House Speaker, and the lieutenant governor, they should work to pass legislation that would close GOP primaries to prevent Democrat crossover voting. Similar results came to the question that asked if the state Republican Party chairman should be hammering this point home within the party and with the GOP supermajority in the General Assembly. The state's Republican Party has been transparent in their support for closed primaries. The state GOP has passed several resolutions shared with the General Assembly that reflect that, too. Apparently, that has been falling on deaf ears in the General Assembly. But one has to wonder, though. Is there any behind-the-scenes machinations or conversations about actually passing that legislation? 
because that bill actually failed in the committee on the 21st of February. Mind you, each committee is also comprised of a supermajority of Republicans. I'll let you know the ones who voted to let Democrats vote in Republican primaries here in a minute. But elected officials don't typically ignore not only the voters in their districts, but they also do not do that in conjunction with ignoring their state party's wishes. What exactly would cause the members of the General Assembly to do that? Of course, it's pure speculation on my part, but you all know how I feel about the state's GOP party's leadership right now. This bill would have done more than just maintain a facade of liberty for the people by allowing them to actually choose who represents them at the state level. It would go a long way to ensuring true conservatives were at the helm of the state GOP in the General Assembly. Open primaries allow the elite of the political parties to determine their preferred candidate in the general election. Now, six Republicans voted to pass the bill out of committee, but six voted to kill it in committee. Those six Republicans are Representative Esther Helton Haynes, Representative John Crawford, Representative William Slater, Representative Dave Wright, Representative John Holtzclaw, and last, but definitely not least, is Representative Dale Carr. It seems my former rival has put his name to some very non-conservative legislation and killed some very conservative bills during this General Assembly. So you see, our General Assembly, while giving us some victories, are only doing that to maintain the facade of liberty. Their pieces of proposed, sponsored, and co-sponsored legislation, as well as their votes and committees, tell a different story, doesn't it? They will also defer and deflect, or kick legislation down the road, when the heat is on them, much as we have seen about the pro-abortion crowd's latest attacks on our Human Life Protection Act. Or they will change the definition of words or change the words themselves in order to sell an apathetic public on another scheme to take more of our sweat equity. Toll roads have now become choice lanes. That bill will put infrastructure control into the hands of an organization that is not accountable to the voter. The elites will also work for the benefit of major sports teams, but leave our children in failing public schools. Oh, they toss some red meat our way with the ban on transgender surgeries and treatment for minors, as well as the banning of the drag queen shows in front of children. But that is smoke in mirrors. That is one step forward. Meanwhile, we have taken two or more steps backward. Well, that is all the time I have for this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. In closing, we have this week's wisdom from God's Word, and it comes to us from Proverbs 4, 19. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. While the wicked do not know what makes them stumble, it is quite clear to others why they do. Our government at the state and federal level is full of wicked people. They operate from a deep darkness that they want us all to be in. Daily, they work contrary to the purpose of government, to secure the liberty of the people, They make sure our voice is not heard in our electoral process by manipulating the system to ensure their preferred candidate wins. They saber-rattle to appeal the masses and ask us to donate money so they can work harder at it. 
Our so-called representatives will put forward legislation knowing nothing will come from it, knowing that it will not secure the people's liberty. They come begging for campaign contributions from us, all the while making a living off of our sweat equity and selling access and favors to the highest bidders. No longer do they serve the people they swore an oath to serve. They only serve themselves. Until all of us finally shake off this apathy, that will be the course our government takes us all on. And eventually, the facade of liberty will even fall off, and we will live under complete tyranny. Because what is plainly and painfully obvious to those willing to peek behind the curtain is this. Our government now abhors liberty, and they really do not want the citizens to have it. They especially don't want the citizens to exercise their sovereignty over it and are perfectly happy with the apathy the electorate demonstrates every day. Not only are they happy with it, they also encourage it. So, get out there. Get involved. Thank you all for listening this week and I pray that you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Till next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.